0: Good morning, Victory. How are you guys? You know, most of you guys know my utter disdain for the footwear called Crocs. You guys know that. Look what a crazy lady in the church bought me. If if I wear these, I'll I'll lose my man card. But I'll make a deal with you, okay? Next team night, okay? You guys, a lot of you haven't uh, been able to come to team night. I will preach in these, okay? Deal, is that a deal? Oh, golly, I can't even believe them. Praise God. Oh. You know, that's one of our core values here at Victory is having fun, and I'll tell you, we do have fun here, and we're, we're excited for what God's doing. You know, we've been in the middle of a, our sermon series called Take It to the Bank, and we've been having a tremendous time, but this morning, we're going to take a little detour because I want to minister on something that's a little bit outside of the realm of what the series has been about because I've noticed that... Uh, A lot of folks here at Victory, uh, they've been going through some tough times. I've saw that, I've watched this, uh, some trials, some difficulties, sickness, emotional things, and I feel I have the exact message uh, that I believe that's going to help us this morning. And there's going to be a lot of verses here this morning. I want to really uh, get into the Word and, and see what the Bible says on, on this subject. And the first one is in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 1 through 5. And so uh, you'll see it up on the screen. But this is what it says. It says, now Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets With the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, saying, So may the gods do to me, and even more, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And he was afraid and arose and ran for his life and came to Bathsheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. Verse 4. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree and he requested for himself that he might die and said, it is enough now, O Lord, take my life, for I am not better than my father's. And he lay down and slept under a juniper tree. I want you to pray with me this morning. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you are the God of peace. You are the God of comfort. And I pray, God, for all our brothers and sisters that are going through trials right now. They are going through difficulties. We pray for all the sick, the people that are having physical problems. We pray for healing for them. And God, I pray that you would uh, do something supernaturally, God, in this service this morning, God, and that you would help us, God, and give us the victory. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, i got to move this because I can feel this, this bad spirit, you know, so close to me. Amen. So I'm going to move that over there. Oh, I, I, it'll stop me from preaching good. Amen. You know, years ago, I had my own business. Uh, I was in the vending business and the catering business. And there was this man that I knew. He was in the same uh, type of business that I was in. And I, this is when I was a young guy. I'm in my mid-20s. And he was much older. He's probably uh, getting close to 50 years old. And he had a very, very successful uh, business. And I went over to his, he had this build this brand new complex for his company. And I went over there to see him. And I go into this building. It's probably five times the size of this building. And he's got a fleet of trucks in there. He's got uh, vending machines all lined up. Uh, I look over to one side, he's got this massive motorhome. I'm talking about like one of those giant ones. On the other side of the warehouse is a boat. And I'm not talking about like this little boat. I'm talking it's like the Queen Mary, man. I mean, I don't even know how he fitted into the the building. And so he's got all this stuff. He's a super successful guy. And um, and what happened was we were going to go out to lunch, and so we get in his... uh, top-of-the-line Mercedes car, and we're driving down the road, and as we start talking, he starts opening up to, to me. Now, remember, I'm like 25 or so, he's almost 50, and he starts opening up to me, and he just, like, I'm just shocked that he, as he's talking, he's almost coming to tears, just talking to me, and he's relating to me how depressed he is. And he's saying, you know, he's telling me, like, he can barely make it through another day. He's so depressed. And I'm looking at this guy, this successful businessman. He is absolutely broken and a depressed individual. Now, some of you might be thinking, well, you know, the problem is, is because, you know, uh, he's just all into money and and he needs to give his life to Jesus and, and he'll be okay. But the problem was he was already serving God. He was already a Christian. Uh, he had. He was living a good, clean life, faithful to his wife and his children. Uh, he was involved in his church. He was a faithful uh, giver. And so, as I'm sitting there with him, I'm thinking, "Well, you know what? All you know, he's giving all his life to his business. He needs to just do the will of God." And and these thoughts are going through my head, my mind, and I'm thinking, "That's why this man is so depressed. If he just does the will of God." everything will be okay. See, one of the biggest myths, one of the biggest fallacies of Christianity is is, is we just do the will of God. We do God's will, find God's calling, and do it. Everything will be fine. Everything will be fine. You know, all depression will leave us. All negative thoughts will just vanish and, and, uh, you know, will be just overshadowed by, you know, the love of God and everything will be fine. But I declare to you this morning that assumption is wrong. It's not biblical and it's not a real picture of the human life. The human life, even for the man or woman that is doing God's will... Is full of heartaches, full of trials, and full of depression. You look at Elijah, if anyone, if anyone was doing the will of God, it was Elijah. If anyone was tuned in to God, it was him. He is the only one that will ever live that will get a chariot ride to heaven. No one else will have that honor. He was this powerful, fearless man of God, living for him, doing God's will. But look at these verses in verse 3 through 5. And he was afraid and he rose and ran for his life. And came to Bathsheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree. And he requested for himself that he might die. And he said, it's enough now, O Lord, take my life, for I'm not better than my father's. And he laid down and slept under a juniper tree. Here's this man. This is Elijah. This is not some ordinary person. He's one of the most uh, powerful people that have ever walked planet Earth. And you see a man that's afraid. You see a man that's depressed and defeated. This is mighty Elijah. He is utterly in despair. And I don't believe this is the first time that it happened to him either. I don't think this was just a one-off. I bet you he went through that a lot. But then if you look at other great people in the Bible, you find the same thing. You look at Jacob or Israel in verse 8 or actually 9 of chapter 47 of Genesis. So Jacob said to Pharaoh, the years of my sojourning are 130. Few and unpleasant have been the years of my life. Nor have they obtained the years that my fathers lived during the days of their sojourning. He's tormented. He's afflicted. He's uh, you know depressed. His life is unpleasant and full of sorrow, year after year. You look at the Apostle Paul, Second Corinthians seven five. For even when we came into Macedonia, our flesh had no rest, but we were afflicted on every side, conflicts without. And fears within. This is Paul. And he's saying that I got fears within. He's afflicted. He's tormented. You look at David. If you read in the Psalms, I mean sometimes you think, oh, I'll read the Psalms. That will cheer me up. I don't know about that. A lot of the Psalms, it's David just talking about the anguish and all the things that he's going through, all his loneliness, as Saul is, is, is tracking him all over the wilderness. See, folks, we are no different. Even as we strive to do the will of God, even though we put our hand to the plow and refuse to turn back, we are full of fear and security. Depression and frailties, all of us. Hello. Second Corinthians four seven, it says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the surpassing greatness of the power may be of God and not of ourselves. See, we have the greatest treasure, the greatest treasure on planet Earth. It's not gold, silver, Bitcoin, or anything else. It's the presence of God. And we have God's presence in this earthen vessel. This earthen vessel. It's a frail, you know, weak, easily broken vessel. The presence of God is in this vessel Easily hurt, easily tempted, emotional basket case, earthen vessel. And we are subjected from going, from being on top of the world one day, shouting the victory, being more than a conqueror, and waking up the next morning and feeling like we got hit by a truck and a cloud of depression is all over us. And we can say, well, I don't live by faith. I don't live by feelings. I live by faith and and all that stuff. Uh, But in a real sense, we do live by our feelings, don't we? You know, maybe you, someone said a real nasty thing to you a few weeks ago, and weeks later you still can't shake it. You're still thinking about what that person said to you. Or maybe you're constantly battling Feelings of being unworthy or rejection. And see, our feelings do have a direct effect on how we live our life, whether we admit it or not. Even when we are doing God's will. Just because we're doing God's will doesn't make us exempt from negative feelings. Doesn't. And there are things in life that cause us sometimes to be overwhelmed emotionally. And I want to look at a few of these this morning. And then at the end, it's not going to be all bad. At the end, I'm going to bring a solution. Amen? How many people want a solution? Sometimes you got to hear the bad news before you hear the good news. You know, one of the things that will surely make you depressed is getting old. Hello. You don't hear that too much from many preachers, do you? Come on. I just had a birthday the other day. And we are getting older. And it affects us emotionally. You know, we you know start losing things we don't want to lose. And then we start growing things we don't want to grow. You know, I used to have a nice head of hair. I used to have nice waves. Now I just got beach. And the crazy thing about it is I have no hair, but now I got to shave my ears. Like there's hair coming off my ears. I mean, really? Got to shave my ears? That's gross, man. That's just not right. Right? But a lot of us, as we're growing older, it becomes depressing. You know, a lot of men, they face this, they start hitting 40, and and they think, oh, well, you know, I need an upgrade of my wife. Come on. This is how men fall into sin in that age category. People in ministry, they start, their priorities start shifting. Instead of, you know focusing in on what God has for their life. They're doing all this other stuff, whatever's shiny, whatever. And this is not manufactured. This is real. This is plays on our emotion. Even people in their 20s, oh, I'm 28 years old. I'm so old. Oh, shut up. Shut up. Stick a sock in your mouth. How dare you say that? but they say it, 28 years old, say it. I remember years ago, I mean years ago, I had my 40th birthday, and the church threw me this big party, 40th birthday. They all dressed in black. They had a cake with a tombstone on it. (laughs) And we're there at the party, and there's this one lady there, and she's a very serious lady, and, and she said, oh, Pastor, I didn't know you were 40. And I said, Oh, well, you know, what you think? I was 32, 33. She said, No, and she's serious. She goes, I thought you were 57. I'm 40, and she thinks I'm 57. I rebuke you. Sister, you have a blind demon. Let me cast that out. You can't see right. 57? I'm 40. Then for weeks, I'm looking in the mirror. Do I look 57? Do I really look that bad? I mean, seriously. I was depressed for weeks. Why? Because we are earthen vessels. And we get depressed and we have insecurity. Listen to this. This is in Proverbs 23, verse 7. It says, for as he thinks within himself, so is he. You start thinking this way, and then it becomes you. Start affecting you. You know, I shared this on Wednesday night. I got to share it again this morning. But I remember when I pastored in Los Angeles, we had a lady that, that was coming to church, and then she cop, stopped coming for a while. And I called her up and I said, Hey, you know, sis, we've been missing you at church, and, and what's going on? And she tells me, and I'm not it's kidding. She says, I don't feel like coming to church because I feel fat. And I'm like, I don't know what to say. What do you say to that? Thinking I'd never come to church then. What do you say to that? You know, we laugh at that. We think, oh, that girl is like fleshly and cardinal. I mean, you know, you know, but aren't most of us? I bet you this scene happens in a lot of homes right before coming to church on a Sunday you know the wife is in there trying on clothes you know and she's trying on these pants and and she goes oh honey uh, uh, how do I look in these oh babe you look nice in those pants you you look really oh you're lying come on tell me the truth I, I look like a cow in these don't I no, babe, I'm serious. You know, you look fine in those pants. You look great in that. Oh, you're lying. You're lying. I want you to tell me, tell me the truth right now. Okay, babe, you do kind of look fat in those. Ah! Ah, I'm not going to church. That happens, doesn't it? Ladies and men. Come on. <laughs> See, our emotions affect us. We're not robots. You know, we put in a CD-ROM or I don't even know what they call them anymore. But, you know, it, it, you put that in and it's like, you know, I live by faith, not by sight. Now, We're not robots. We're not. We're men and people. And this is especially true for women and teenagers. How about teenagers? They get a zit. It's the end of the world. I got a zit right here. I'm never leaving my room. (laughs) How about all the parents out there? You know, a lot of times... When we're parents, you know, we we just think we've failed everything. You know, we know the verse in Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child on the way he should go. And uh, even when he is old, he will not depart from it. We know that verse. But we still have feelings of failing that crop up all the time. You know, like, oh, I am damaging my kids. I'm making major mistakes that are irreversible. I'm permanently damaging them. In my futile attempts of parenting. And these feelings drowned us because we think we're failing our kids. You know, I'll never forget one time when we were uh, missionaries in Fiji. And it, one night, it was late at night, and I, I was looking for something in a closet. Everybody else was in bed, and I'm rummaging, rummaging through this closet. And all of a sudden, I pull out this little football uniform that it was for my son, Dirk. It had like a little jersey and shoulder pads and a little helmet. And I remember when we bought it for him. And I told my son, yeah, you know, we're going to get you on a football team and get you in a league and we're going to do all this. And, and then I'm looking at this uniform and I'm thinking he's never worn it and he never will. Why? Because we became missionaries. They don't even know what football is over there. And I remember looking at that uniform and i'm thinking you know my childhood growing up playing every sport under the sun football baseball basketball hockey you name it and i'm realizing my son will never do that and i started weeping i'm talking like weeping like i've just ruined my kids what did i what did i do i brought him to some foreign country Where nobody knows who they are and they don't know the customs and all these things. And and I'm talking for like weeks and weeks. I just felt awful like I had failed my kids. It's terrible. And we feel that way sometimes with our kids, man. We think, God, I, I messed this up or I did that. How about the financial pressures of life? I mean, you go to the grocery store now, I mean, it's like you walk out with a little bag and it's like $57. Am I the only one that sees that? You're like, what did I buy? I didn't even buy anything. And you think if I get one more bill, my head's just gonna explode. And debts are piling up and the boss wants to cut hours. And you see the financial problems of the world. Reading a a story about Japan that was a while back, eight of the top financial people in Japan committed suicide. Eight. And it becomes too much. And you say, God, I can't take it anymore. Even though we know this verse, uh, Philippians 4.19, And my God shall supply all our needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And you think, you know what, it's not working for me. And we start getting pulled down in the vortex of life. And then you see others that even have it worse than you. And it just tears your heart out. I remember when we pastored in Fiji, you know, we lived at the church. The church was on the bottom and where we lived was above the church. And it was kind of in this rural area. And 70 yards away from the church and where we lived was this little village. I'm talking 70 yards. It was across the little river, little creek. And in this place, people are living in tin shacks that you wouldn't want your dog to live in. No running water, no power. They're taking bass in this scummy river. That's how they, they don't have running water. They're taking bass in there. And in that same river that they're taking bass, they're getting little fish and frying them up and little crabs and, and eating mangoes and bananas to survive. And it just tears you up. You see people living like that. And you think, how can I even help them? You know, Jesus felt the same way. Matthew 9, 36. It says, and seeing the multitudes, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and downcast like sheep without a shepherd. You know, you see people that are hurting. You know, maybe they've got addictions. Maybe they're financially just overwhelmed. And, I mean, your heart breaks for them, but you don't even know what to do. And this makes you depressed. It makes you, like, overwhelmed and and you just feel, like, useless. Like, what can I even do to help them? And all this stuff happens. The things of betrayal, maybe you have people that you have helped and you have been there, maybe you've led them to the Lord and then they just turn on you. I mean, it just, just rips your heart out. People that you poured into, people that you have given your life to and they burn you, badmouth you, talk behind your back. And just say nasty things about you. And all you did is try to help them. And you know the verse too. Galatians 6, 9. And let us not lose heart in doing good. For in due time we shall reap if we do not grow weary. But we're beyond weary. We're way past weary. Because we're sick of people using us. People talking bad about us, using us. How about the feelings of loneliness, where sometimes, you know, it just feels like it's a blanket on you. And you could walk into a room full of people and you still feel incredibly lonely, like you are the only person on the planet. And you feel that for days, weeks, maybe months. Fear, insecurities, all these different things that, that are going through our mind, and this can wipe us out and devastate us. You think, you know what? This just ain't working, man. This serving God and doing God's will, it's just not working. See, folks, listen to me. Listen to me closely. We are all emotional creatures, all of us. We are. We can't get away from that. Even though we don't want to admit it, even though we don't want to say, yes, that's true, but life is a series, is a series of ups and downs. Sometimes great joy, and then immediately after, utter despair. Seasons of refreshing and seasons of absolute insanity. And you just think, you know what, I just can't do it anymore. I just can't. Well, listen, I've shared the bad news. Now let me offer you some solutions. Amen? It's not all bad. That's the bad. Let's look at the solutions. It's two part, two-part solution. You know, when I was a kid, I'm from Philadelphia, and in the wintertime, we did a lot of sledding. Anybody ever do sledding? I mean, I used to love going sledding. And the best place to sled where I live was a place called Blair Mill Hill. It was a, you know, white knuckle, bare knuckle going down this hill, crazy, amen, sled ride. It was awesome. I mean, it was really steep, Blair Mill Hill. But on that hill, on this one side of it was this, like, bump and if you unexpectedly went down there didn't know about Blair Mill Hill, if you hit that bump, you would go flying in the air. And I mean, it was Wipeout City, man. Many of kids got hurt on that bump unexpectedly. And I would watch just to see some people that were brave enough, they would try to weather that bump and go down there and try to navigate it. And many kids did not succeed. And there was only a few of them that made it. And the ones that made it weren't not the most athletic or agile or had the best sled. But the ones who made it were the ones when they were flying in the air, they just held on for dear life. And when they hit the ground, they just held on and they made it. They're the only ones that made it. All the other ones failed. All the other ones crashed. And what they did is they wrote it out. They didn't let go and they made it. And that's one of the keys of the battle over your emotions. You need to ride them out. Ride your emotions out. You feel lonely right now, ride it out. It's going to change. You feel depressed? Oh, pastor, I feel so depressed. Write it out. It will change. You feel like you're failing your kids? Write it out. Write it out. People turn on you? Hang on. Don't let go. Fears and security bringing you down? Write it out, and it will change. Your emotions will change if you write it out. Depression will turn into joy. Fear will turn into faith. But most people, here's the problem, most people don't write it out. They let go before God comes on the scene. You know, I was reading this story. This is even in my sermon. It's just popped in my head right now. There was a guy who had a gold vein and you know he had bought this land and he was digging for gold and he was trying for years and years and then he finally gave up and he sold it for like a a pittance of what it was worth and the new guy came in there and he dug just three more feet and he found the gold three feet missed it by three feet Listen to this verse, 2 Corinthians 7, 6. But God who comforts the depressed. Wow. God who comforts the depressed. I need that verse because I get depressed. How many people in here, you get depressed sometimes? Come on. Don't get holy. Oh, not me. I'm a man of God. Oh, you're lying. It says God comforts the depressed we have to ride it out don't let go there are seasons like that it's going to happen you're going to have seasons of, of troubles and tribulation and difficulties and sickness and all kinds of other stuff but if you ride it out the season's going to change first peter 412, it says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing. As though some strange thing were happening to you. I don't know why I'm going through a trial. It's because all of us go through it. We all go through it. Every single one of us, none of us are exempt. Life isn't easy. It wasn't meant to be easy. Don't be surprised when the trials and difficulties, things come against your life. See, the only ones that make it are the ones who write it out. Revelation 2.7 He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. How many people you want to eat of the tree of life, amen, you need to hang on and not give up and not give in to depression and not give in to despair and not be so, amen, overcome by your feelings that you can't function anymore. got to hang it out and hang on just like elijah did he went through bouts of depression but you know what he had a chariot ride to heaven hallelujah david amen getting chased all over the wilderness amen but god raised him up to be a king and he took territory for god Same thing with us, the Apostle Paul. He never gave up, he held on. Amen. He was given the crown of life. See, all of us are subjected to all these things. Amen. All of us. But we have to hang on, we can't let go. Amen. We can't. We got to ride it out. That's the first part. The second part is this very short. Answers found in the shortness of life. Listen to this verse. This is in James 4.14. It says, yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Our life is so short. I remember in 1972, I was with a bunch of my friends. And we were all the same age. We were all 14 years old, and we were talking about the year 2000. Like, wow, the year 2000, we're all going to be 42 years old. We'll almost be dead. We were talking that way. And we were talking about the year 2000. Well, hello, it's 22 years later. It just went like that. In 22 more years, I will almost be dead. But if you compare your life to eternity, it will be like one second. Not even, really. It will just be like that. Your life in eternity, to compared to eternity is just like that. Our lives are so short, and we have such a brief time, amen, and we got to comprehend, amen, this is the testing time. This is where God's seeing who's with me or who's not. Life is short. It's almost like this. Uh, you Don't raise your hand on this, but, you know, I never had these, but if you ever had braces, you know, if you go to the dentist. The the dentist putting on braces, they'll lie to you. Oh, they'll just be on for a short time. I mean, not that long. Right? All those people that had braces, that dentist lied to you, didn't he? Or your parents lied, or both of them did. It won't be that long. If you went into the dentist and he said, Oh, you know what? You're going to have these braces on, you're 14. You're going to have them on until you're 62. You're out of there, you're running out the door. You know, that's not the way it is in our life. Our life is so short. God's not making us endure for eternity or half of eternity or 800 years. He's just saying, when you're here, amen, I want you to live for me and serve me and work for me, amen, and then you'll spend the rest of eternity and the joy and presence, amen, and being with me forever. It's just a short time, man. Short time, Matthew 24, 13, but the one who endures to the end, he shall be saved. You have to ride it out, folks. We have to ride this thing out. You got to ride it out. And as you see, if you do, things will change. And God will help you. And God will be there. God is a present help in time of trouble. Amen. Amen. He's not left you. He's not forsaken you. He's with you, and he be, he will be with you for eternity. Amen. I'd like you to bow your heads this morning.